This is the Dungeon Master's Handbook. I'm Michael, Chicago Wiz, and welcome to the 50th episode of A Dungeon Master's Handbook. Yep, I made it to episode 50. Kind of a miracle, but here I am. I had some trouble figuring out what I wanted to talk about on my 50th episode, because, you know, 50 is kind of an interesting number to get to, and I thought, you know, maybe I should have a specific thing to talk about. Didn't really know, so I went on the uh, Audio Dungeon discord server and was asking some of my fellow podcasters what they thought and got some great ideas so i'm going to do a couple of them here and we'll see what happens uh next few minutes is kind of more statistics and uh numbers and what and you know feel free to skip ahead if you want so i started the podcast on december 5th of 2017 i started on soundcloud and uh the very first burst, if you will, was I released three episodes at the same time on how to run a sandbox campaign. That's really what spurred me to do a podcast was to talk about, well, how I do a sandbox campaign and my particular approach to it and just advice that I had learned over, you know, almost 10 years and thought I'd share it. Um, I moved to Anchor, which is now Spotify or podcasting on Spotify or Anchor on Spotify, depending on how you come into it. Um, I moved there on November 5th, 2019 at my 18th episode. And now I'm at number 50. <laughs> so what took me so long to get from uh, 2017 to 2023 and 50 episodes? Well, um, one of the reasons is because I had originally created this podcast to share how I ran my AD&D game, how I run my sandbox campaign world. And, you know, I did branch off a little bit to talk about my one-on-one -on -one game with my wife, Angie, and I talked about other gaming things from time to time. And, you know, heck, even at one point, uh, right before COVID hit, I was trying to do a review of the first edition Unearthed Arcana book, which I'm not sure how that was going over or not, but um, COVID hit and then everything then I've just kind of stopped. Um, I, I had taken a break previously from 2018 to 2019, and then a two-year break from 2020 to mid-2022. And well, here we are in 2023, and <laughs> that's why I've hit uh, 50 episodes after uh, um, almost six years. So I, I took a look at what were the most popular episodes of my podcast, because I was kind of interested. And unsurprisingly it's my initial three episodes um those clocked in over 2000 listens across anchor and soundcloud which you know for me being kind of a niche podcaster and i you know don't really advertise and it's not like i'm you know posting on the the latest 5e stuff that people are really interested in i i thought 2000 listens is pretty cool um, also, oddly enough, episode 17, which is on populating dungeons with monsters and treasure, for some reason also had over 2,000 listens. So I thought that was kind of cool. But um, So yeah, now 
least popular were my episodes where I just had call-ins from other podcasters um, and would answer their questions. Um, episodes where I just kind of rambled on about my game thoughts. And um, unfortunately, the, the one episode where I was reading my players' journals didn't seem to really get very many hits. So I guess people weren't really interested in that. Um, I've discovered that since coming back uh, post-COVID, my listens are way down to what they were before probably because i'm not on folks radar as much anymore you know due to the long pause from covid and maybe because i'm not maybe i'm not as uh relevant or or uh you know i I don't post on the osr subreddit i'm not on twitter anymore um i don't really you know don't really get on a lot of that social media i am quite vocal to post when when I do have an episode. So what is the result of doing 50 episodes of this podcast? Is there any big takeaway or lesson that I've learned? What's interesting? You know, I I think there's three things. Um, I've mentioned this before uh, in, in somewhere else, and I found that podcasting is a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, at least in creating new content that I feel like contributes to the topic that I have or just contributes in general to, you know, the overall tabletop role-playing game discourse. You know, I I don't like to do just talking. Um, You know, unless something comes up in a game of mine or when I'm preparing for a game, it's hard for me to come up with a constant stream of content on my campaign world and, and how I run it and do it. You know, I, I honestly, when I created this, I, I, I wasn't sure how long it would take, um, how many episodes I would have, or where this podcast would go. You know, I, I, it's not like I have something to share on a weekly basis, at least anything of, of value. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I, I do admire the folks that can produce content on a weekly, regular basis. That, that definitely isn't me. You know, I'm I'm very much someone that likes to say what I have to say, and that seems to come in bursts, and then it trickles off until I got something else to say later on. Um, I don't really see that changing in the future, you know? And I got to admit, when when I put this episode together, I kind of sat back and wondered if this podcast had served its purpose, and, you know, maybe I should stop this particular podcast, or maybe you know, make a different podcast and, and let this one kind of sta- stand on its own, you know. I've, I've said what I had to say about making um, a uh, AD&D, OD&D uh, sandbox old school campaign. Done. <laughs> Publish it. Um, I, I, I don't know. You know, for now, I'll keep sharing what happens in my campaign and, and I'll keep, you know, doing what I need to do and, 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 and I'll keep gaming and we'll see where things go. So something else that uh, I think came out of this podcast is um, since 2009, when I was writing a blog almost daily, I've kind of had the same message. And and that is, in short, you don't have to invent an entire world and timeline to kick off a campaign, unless you really want to. You know, Um, you can start off small and build as you go. And um, my first three episodes detail how to do that. Um, 
interestingly and, and kind of wild is that it's a message that continues to resonate some 14 years after I first blogged it. You know, I, I still get messages from people who, who, you know, tell me, wow, that's great. I never really thought that I could start off small and, you know, kind of build as I go or build it as I need it. And I don't know, you know, 14 years is a long time to have an idea rolling, but I'm glad that that idea still seems to work for people and, and still seems to find a an, an receptive audience. You know, it, it kind of begs the question, though, if folks are needing to be told that, uh, then I wonder what the big names in RPG publishing are saying that makes them think otherwise. You know, I'm not a Pathfinder fifth edition player or game referee, so I don't exactly know what's being said in those game referee manuals, you know. Um, if, if they're advocating you got to build an entire world and timeline and lore and pantheon and all that, um, I, I don't know. Um, well, maybe it's time if they aren't giving that kind of information or some sort of campaign building information, uh, maybe it's time for them to put out a book like that. Um, if they want to hire me to write that handbook, I, I'm willing. <laughs> just, just reach out to me, chicagoiz at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so and I guess one final thing um, with podcasting is, is that I've really never stopped learning. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to come across as an expert on OD&D and AD&D. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I still learn things from reading and rereading the book and, and listening to other people, uh, you know. Sometimes it's just finding a sentence or two that I've glossed over or assumptions that I made without double-checking, you know, kind of like the whole thing with uh, healing potions and are they 1d8 plus 1? No, they're really 2d4 plus 1. And trust me, my players have not let me forget that I've cheated them over the years out of a hit point, <laughs> you know. Um, but I've I've learned a lot over the past few years, and I continue to learn. You know, OD&D and AD&D are deceptively simple when it comes to the later versions of the game, but there's still a depth there. There's still nuances and little bits that I think get glossed over, at least in my mind, from probably having played too much of the B and X during the AD&D years when I was growing up, or just in general, just playing... Uh, simplified games that were based, say, on the retro clones and whatnot. But but having gone back to the original source books and, and started to really pay attention to them and, and do what they say, um, it, you know, learning those little bits has been great fun. Um, in wrapping up kind of this overview, um, someone suggested that I talk about the episode, which I had the most fun making. And Absolutely, there is no question that the most fun episode was the one where I interviewed my wife for our one-on-one -on -one game, or as someone called it uh, last week in a Reddit post, a duet game. And boy, that just that, that that's kind of a sweet romantic name, and I like that a duet with my wife. That that fits, and that was probably the most fun where I sat down and interviewed her, and we talked about the game, and I had run and asked me anything on. Uh, read it and got some great questions and she answered them and you know something about our one-on-one -on -one or our duet game is is that's time together that I treasure and you know having her be a part of this podcast was was great fun and, and really special to me so 
um, we've restarted our campaign and um, um, we're trying to squeeze in games when we can. So hopefully maybe we'll have another reason to do another uh, together episode in the future. That would be wonderful. Uh, so where am I at gaming wise? You know, after 50 episodes uh, as compared to 2017 and now um, you know, coming back after COVID. Uh, well, one big thing is I no longer have a in-person, face-to-face tabletop game. Um, I have two AD&D online campaigns. One has been dedicated online since 2019. Uh, the other one actually is my old tabletop face-to-face local game, which right now we're playing um, online until I get um, a situation where I can get back to, uh, to face-to-face tabletop gaming at some point. I'm hoping maybe later this summer that'll happen. Uh, that would be nice. I, I miss the in-person face-to-face gaming, um, although the, the online has been fun and I have great groups. Um, I'd like, I like the face-to-face. Um, in addition to those two AD&D online campaigns, I have my AD&D play-by-post campaign, now that is hitting a huge climax right now. A uh, big battle is happening and some big reveals have been made. And uh, so what happens after that, I'm not sure. I, I know some of the player. I've had one player who's just out and out, dropped out and stopped responding. Um, I've had a couple of players who have become uh, kind of drive-by once every couple of weeks when their schedule permits posting. Um so we'll see. Uh, you know, do we hang up this game after this? I don't know. Um, we'll find out, but that is uh, still going, and we'll see what happens. And then finally, my new campaign, which is an OD&D online campaign that's going through my Dungeon 23 Mega Dungeon. Now, that's been a blast so far, and, and I'm loving the focus on just running the game as someone would have run things in 1974 and 1975. Um, I'm running it against the uh, first three Little Brown books. Um, I have made a couple of inclusions of things from some of the later supplements, but overall it is just straight 1974 OD&D. Um, and I've also taken steps to reviving my War Games campaign in my AD&D world. Um, right now that's all solo, but we'll see what happens in the future. Well, so that's it for my 50th episode, kind of a look back and a little bit of uh, lessons learned. Um, I also want to take a couple of calls and messages that were left with me since the last few episodes. Um, A couple of podcasters have left me um, recorded messages via Discord, which is nice, and I appreciate them doing that. And uh, let's get to it. So first up is... Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Jason here. Just want to say really enjoyed your latest episode. I think it's 48. Talk about the XP and the way that you do it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, very cool. Glad you're still doing Dungeon 23. Of course, it's easier if you have a group playing through your dungeon. It kind of puts that impetus there, right? Uh, I'm being lazy on posting them up. I'm still doing it. I need, I need to post up where I'm at on the different discords, but yeah, it, it's really interesting project and I'm glad that I decided to take part in it. Anyhow, keep up the great work. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks Jason for both all that you do in 
keeping Anchor and Spotify RPG podcasters connected and for listening and commenting. Um, kind of think you're kind of the, the, the spider in the middle of the spider web, or I don't, I don't know how, that's probably a bad way of putting it, <laughs> unless you want to be a spider, but you definitely keep us all connected. You know what's going on everywhere, and that's awesome. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed the XP and, and leveling episode. That was indeed episode 48 back in January. So I apologize for taking so long to uh, include this and respond to you. So with Dungeon 23 at the end of March here, I'm still going. Yes, uh, I'm finishing up on leveling or I'm keying level five, leveling key five of oh God on keying level five. Um, now, up till now, I've been using the OD&D, AD&D random dungeon generator, but I'm actually going to change that for level six. I've got a surprise method that I had found forgotten on my RPG bookcase, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes and to sharing that with everyone. Um, for those of you that are on the Anchorite Dungeon RPG um, Discord server, I already revealed what that was, so just end there. So anyway, thank you again, Jason, for the call. Next up is Daniel of Bandit Keeps Podcast. Hey, Michael. Daniel from Bandits Keep calling in. Uh, really enjoyed your episode on your hex map programming. <laughs> I know nothing about programming, so it's super interesting to me. And it's funny how sometimes we create things for our games that take longer than the let's say, the original purpose of the one thing we were going to do. But then it's worth it because in the future when we do those things again, it's faster. <laughs> so I guess that's the same thing in life, right? So pretty cool that you made that and being able to whip up a bunch of hexes fast is very useful. I have a terrible system where I just use a notebook and I'm constantly flipping back and forth. So maybe someday I should move into the computer age. But I didn't want to call in about the healing potions because um, I think I know, I mean, maybe where people got that from because, you know, being an OD&D player myself right now, um, looking at the healing potion, and it says, healing. A healing potion repairs one six-sided die plus one points of damage, just like a light wound spell. So I guess an AD&D light wound spell does a D8, based on what you're saying. So that makes sense, right? So if, if somebody was playing OD&D, and I also think that healing potions might, in future editions, um, do the same as light wounds as well, like I think in 5th edition, but I can't remember. It's been so long since I've run it. So in a way, I kind of like that it's shorthand, you know, that it just is like a light wound spell. But at the same time, it's great that, you know, it basically uh, is its own thing. You got to love AD&D for that. I, I love all the different like ranges of numbers and the way that they use the dice in AD&D. And everything's not just a straight D8 or D10 or D4. It's a lot of like doubles and triple dice and stuff, you know, for weapon damage and for things like this. So I really love that. Uh, great episode. I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for the call in, Daniel. I've been enjoying Daniel's podcast on his approach to playing OD&D as close to the rules as written, um, as well as he's adapted chainmail for his combat mechanic. Um, you know, since I'm using OD&D for my Dungeon 23 campaign, I've definitely been getting some tips and tricks and how to think about things from his podcast. I, I highly recommend it if, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, he's also has a, I think, one or two YouTube channels where he's doing a solo OD&D game and I believe some other topics. It is hard to keep up with a lot of the content that some people put out. I'm just you know, so busy and sorry. Can't comment to all of that, but definitely check his stuff out. See what appeals to you, and and you know, give it a listen. Um, 
Daniel talks about my episode where I was talking about uh, creating the uh, random table generators for my hex maps. Ever since I recorded that episode, I've yet created a second set of tables for filling empty uh, empty rooms, generating tricks and traps. And uh, I even pulled in the tables from the random esoteric creature generator that Goodman Games published. Um, and that is for use while I'm uh, keying my Dungeon 23 Mega Dungeon. Um, along with that, uh, you know, I generate treasure. And so I just released a blog post on um, an updated version of a Sword and Wizardry treasure generator. Um, there's been an old treasure generator on uh, the internet for a while. I've been using it and I got to thinking, you know, I'd like to do a couple things differently. Since the source code was there, I you know, know how to program and I had made some updates and uh, published it to the web. Um, I've got a blog post on that and I'll share that with you in the show notes in case you want to check that out yourself. So the creation continues. Now, <laughs> funny enough, so far, although the players have made sure to, um, my AD&E players made sure, you know, give me grief over, you know, cheating them out of their hit point, hit points over the years. Uh, nobody's had to use the 2D4 plus one roll yet. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if that, uh, that extra hit point makes a difference in one of my upcoming games. Um, you talked about the the dice rolls, Daniel. You know, there's times when I like the simplicity of just using the D6s, like, you know, playing Chainmail and OD&D, um, or, you know, just using a couple of dice. But I got to admit, you know, going through all those random tables just really opened my eyes to how creative the writers had to get with their dice ranges. Um, you know, certainly if nothing else, AD&D made a lot of dice manufacturers very happy on all the dice that the players needed to use. Um, but but it is fun, you know. And, and one thing I don't see in old school games like I do see in a lot of the more modern retro clones and modern games is combining dice types. So like uh, using a D4 and a D20 together. Um, or, you know, using like D66. So you use a D6 as the 10s and a D6 as the 1s, uh, you know. So just different things like that. Um, you know, I guess if you need a range of numbers, those little uh, magic uh, magic rocks uh, really help out. So, <laughs> so anyway, thanks, Daniel. Um, and finally, we have another call from Jason. Hey, Jason here. Just want to say I appreciate all of our recent conversations back and forth on Discord, your recent episodes, and I really appreciate your bringing up the old school monk, the OD&D monk in the audio dungeon, because, you know, lately, the past few years, I've kind of gotten back into OD&D, but it's always been just the three little books, right? Three, the original three books, and not so much the supplements. And I really need to go back through and reread through the supplements and decide what I like in there, what I haven't. I've read through them in the past, but it's been so many years. And, and lately, it's just been OD&D and Chainmail, or OD&D and Chainmail and After Survival. Um, thanks to Daniel Norton and Taylor over Cleric or Ring, Clerics where Ringmail's influence. So I appreciate your mentioning the OD&D monk and encouraging me to dive back into the other supplements for OD&D. My memory is that once you look at all the supplements to OD&D, it's pretty close to AD&D. You know, mechanically in a lot of ways. So I'm curious to see if I get that same impression in, in this reread. 
So thank you so much for encouraging me to do that. Thank you for all that you do. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks again, Jason, for calling in. So Jason just recently had a contest in March where he encouraged people to call in and give some sort of a mechanic for role-playing games that was based on their favorite martial arts film or TV show. Not being a big fan of the martial arts genre, I gave an unentry based more on how monks in my game are different than the typical AD&D martial arts monk. Um, that then led into a Discord discussion where we were talking about the OD&D monk versus the AD&D monk and uh, the insta-kill ability. Uh, long story short, the OD&D monk was much deadlier than the AD&D one. Uh, Corporate Gary nerfed the AD&D monk's insta-kill ability, um, hid it behind a percentile roll based on level. I kind of find that blah. I guess Gary must have had a bad experience with the OD&D monk. You know, it's interesting, Jason, you talk about going back and looking at the source material. You know, there's similarities and there are differences in the classes. You know, you've got Greyhawk. Obviously, the three low brown books introduced, you know, Fighting Man, Fighting Person, uh, Magic User, and Cleric. And then Greyhawk, which was the first supplement, introduced the Thief and Paladin. Blackmore, which was the second supplement, introduced um, Assassins and Monks. Eldritch Wizardry, which was the third, included the Druid. And then uh, back at that time, uh, 1975, 1976, TSR had a periodical called Strategic Review. And there were two classes introduced there, the Ranger, or three rather, the Ranger, the Illusionist, and the Bard. Um, so all of your prototype AD&D classes right there. So you know, you're going to find that there are obvious similarities in these uh, OD&D classes and their subsequent AD&D versions, but there are differences too as well. You know, kind of thinking about it, maybe that would be an interesting podcast, although I'm pretty sure somebody's probably already done that comparison before. Probably if I go look on Daniel Collins, Delta's D&D blog or someone else like that, I'm sure they've already done that, but maybe that's a future episode or two. Uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy your reading, but, you know, I would caution you to try to come into them without the kind of the mental background of the AD&D or later versions. You know, try, try to read them as if you've never read them before, and you might be surprised at what you find. And, you know, I think my player is going to be, might be happy at this. I, I may unnerf the AD&D monk and restore David Arneson's more deadly version, you know, We'll see. I, I do kind of like the idea of insta-kill being more uh, readily available than the AD&D version. But, uh, you know, the fun thing about a lot of this is, you know, some players seem to enjoy experimenting and, and trying things and changing, while others don't. But in this case, the current player of the Monk in My Campaign seems to like that kind of thing. So that's cool. We'll, we'll give it a shot. Thanks again, Jason, for calling in. Well, that is it for my 50th episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, game the hell on.